When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. everybody this would be the jeff cameron show right here on 93 3 real talk radio and war chant tv great to be with you as always appreciate you joining us i'm jeff that's tom director matthew in the house on twitter it's at j cameron show and as always if you're watching on war chant tv like subscribe celebrate share dance about the room shimmy whatever it is Whatever it is you do. All right. So as we start live, a lot to get to today. More from the end of the spring ACC meetings at Amelia Island. Joining me later in the show, Iris Chaffel, who I thought wrote an interesting piece for Warchant.com. I'd read it if I were you. We'll talk about it. One particular paragraph or two that I want to ask him about. That is somewhat revelatory, I think, and uh, affirming. And then, of course, the big news of the day, which we predicted over a week ago would happen. Uh, Keon Coleman uh, has signed with Florida State. I didn't even dance. I just kind of, yep, got another one right. Got another one right. Kind of what we do. I'm bored with getting all these predictions about the portal correct. Uh, but we got our guy there, so that's uh, that's good. It does it does present real problems uh, for defenses throughout the land. And you know, listen, uh, this was an offense that was already going to present an awful lot of problems for defenses across the land. Um, and now it's you know now it's now it's just an added problem, an added layer of problem. And I just think the more diverse you are on offense without having to sub out a lot of personnel, the more you can just drag defenses, just drag defenses. Don't let them sub play fast. You got a chance to really isolate one-on-ones and exploit athletic mismatches, size mismatches. I don't know. Really? uh, There are, there probably aren't too many teams that have the personnel to to be able to deal with that 
sort of diversity that Florida State has on offense. So uh, not to say there aren't any, but uh, not many. That uh, first team you play right out the gates might have it. So it'll be interesting to see for that to be a test game one. I mean, the, the one thing is with Keon Coleman coming in, you'll love what he gives you. You'll love what he brings to the table, but he's going to have to learn it quick. He was not here in spring. He's going to have to pick up this offense now, and he's going to have to be ready to go day one for him to have a big impact in a huge game. You really only play two huge games on this schedule. Now, Florida is always a big game, and Miami is always a big game because they're rivals, and you want to kill them, and you want to continue to step on their necks. You want to continue to beat them the way you beat Miami 45-3. to But you you know that, in in truth, the, the, the personnel, the, the speed, the depth, the talent, and the importance of two games really stand out, and you need you need him to be good. You you need Coleman to be good from from the jump. I think not that you couldn't win if he was still getting up to speed, but you need him to be good. I'll be curious to see if they are going to run up tempo a little bit more, because also beyond the fact that you're really good, and like you're saying, you can drag teams force them to play with whatever group of 11 they have on the field. And, yeah, and you give up five them. yards on first down, you're in trouble. The clock runs. Here we go. Baby. The clock runs after first downs, except for two minutes inside the half. So there is a greater urgency, I would think, if you're going to create more at-bats, more plays, more possessions, whatever it is, the metric that you care about the most. Now that the clock is running after the first down, yeah, there might be a conscious choice, something we discussed on Warchant TV in the reaction video yesterday, but that is now a new factor here. It was an inexact science until the game got close. Whatever the clock operator did in each stadium was different. Sometimes the clock would just run after a first down. You'd be like, well, aren't they supposed to pause it for the chains? Yeah. Because they're not. And sometimes it would stay paused for a three-second count too long. And you say, well, what is this person up to? Well, now there is no clock operator human error. It's just going to run. So does Mike Norvell say in the offseason, all right, because the clock is going to run, we're going to force the issue. They already run up-tempo drills in practice, but will they run it more? And will that be something they break out? It's been kind of a change-up in this offense rather than the standard to go at breakneck speed. Correct. But does that become the fastball? Does that become what we do? I think it matters to the opponent. And uh, I think at games, if you go through our schedule, I almost think you could predict uh, when they're going to do it. And, and in particular in the first half, of football games um, this year, there there are. I, w- I would tell you that I, I would guess that most of the games, they will. Uh, I don't necessarily think they will against LSU, and I don't know about Clemson. Uh, but but LSU is a is a scary proposition for your defense as well. And I don't know you want. I mean, I guess you could try to you know you could decide it's a forty eight forty five kind of night. And Mike Norvell has done that before he in his has, career. He has. He's not afraid of that situation. No, especially when he's got the ammo. You know, yeah. he, I, I agree. If he feels like he can win a shootout against almost anybody he faces, and you might believe that if you are him right now with, with, with all your weapons and the experience you have at quarterback and the depth you have on the offensive line and the depth you have in the backfield and, you know, et cetera, you, you might be inclined to say, you know what? If this defense doesn't prove to me that they have taken the next big step forward and can win games, then screw it. I'm, I'm, You know what? I'm not going to protect them. But it might also be self-fulfilling if you do go fast yeah. in, in a game like LSU. Well, you've got the depth of the defensive interior, but not at end. 
And do you really want Jared Verse to be gassed? You know, that's one of your game breakers. You want Patrick Payton to be gassed. That's You could still have time to cultivate a second wave of ends, and it's going to be a huge camp for Gilbert Edmond, among others, at defensive end for Florida State. Maybe you go po- poach one with one of the remaining spots that you have in the portal. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's self-fulfilling. If you decide that you're going to go at a crazy speed, then you're you're setting up your defense to fail, even though they might have really good players. Well, you want options, you know. That's uh, let's get back to why it's important. You want options. You want to be able to win a game any way that you have to. And there are some teams that do one thing. They're one trick ponies. They're really good at that trick. And if you allow them to play that way, they will beat you. But there are some teams that can take away what it is you want to do, and the fallback mode to beat that team is maybe not nearly as strong uh, and you aren't able to execute it as consistently. I think Florida State is in a position with this personnel on offense to win it however you want to play it. If you decide to stack against the run, you're not going to run the ball on us. We're not going to get emasculated like that. We're not going to allow you to possess the ball and wear our guys down and we're going to walk safeties up and we're going to make sure you throw it. Well, good luck with that, man. I mean, okay, good luck because we can. Florida State will throw the ball with now a second dangerous, real dangerous weapon at wide receiver to go along with the tight ends, to go along, obviously, with Johnny Wilson. So now, you, now you're in a situation where, okay, fine, we're going to have one-on-one somewhere, and I like our guys in that situation. And if you decide to play back and keep everything in front of you, well, we're going to run the ball down your throat and just bludgeon you. It's a, it's a tough, tough decision for defensive coordinators right now. This is not ideal. <laughs> if you're a defensive coordinator, you're – Damn it, man. Well, it's quite the turn of events, too, because yes, you said blind resume, you know, just here it is. You're going to lose Malik McLean to the portal. Obviously, Pokey has to graduate out. Micah Pittman's going to leave. And that Winston right through spring camp isn't going to look as explosive as he was. You'd say, oh, boy. Okay. So we've got Johnny, though. Yeah, yeah, we do. But here's the kicker. You're going to be better at receiver than you were before all those things happened. You're still going to have a net positive. You're going to be more explosive at receiver and better overall. I think if I sent you that information in December, you'd say, no, there's no way that that's possible. Oh, yes, it is now. Yes, it is now with Keon Coleman and also the development of a guy as dangerous as Dre Jacobs. I'm going to continue to knock down the door of the hype machine for this kid because now he's going to be slotted as a number three or a number four. I think this expedites yeah, his the growth. Vandravius sure. Jacobs' growth and the impact that he can have in a game because he is now where he needs to be as a freshman against your fourth or fifth best cover corner or safety. Yeah, favorable matchups. Again, I'll go back to what I said at the out, at the outset. Um, you bring in another receiver like this, it just provides opportunities to exploit favorable matchups. You're going to have one, and it can change every week. You know, teams can... I remember Bill Belichick talked about this and Parcells talked about this and defensive minds have talked about this before. Generally speaking, uh, if, if, I, if I've got a decent team, not even a great team, but a decent team, I can take away any one thing I want to take away. I mean, I can just decide I'm not going to give you this. But when you do that, you are giving me something else. And it, you just have to decide, well, can they execute that nearly as well, even though it may still be a favorable matchup for them? Because I know what they do if I let them run what they want to run. But this is, you have finally reached a place where, fine, take away whatever you want. We're just going to go to this, and you can't stop that. I mean, we've got real good players there, too. I mean, if if it becomes, okay, well, you know what? We've decided Jaheim Bell's just going to have to beat us. Oh, well, all right. 
Okay. He will. Get ready for seven catches and a buck twenty-two and two TDs from right. Jaheim Pell today. Right. I mean, that's great. That's a it's where you want to be. Here's a fun visual experiment for you. We're lined up. It's shotgun four wide, two to each side. Johnny Wilson on the outside. Deion Coleman on the outside. Yeah. Jaheim Bell, slot to the right. Dre Jacobs, slot to the left. Mm-hmm. Jordan Travis and Trey Benson in the backfield. Yeah, good luck. Pick your poison. What's it going to be? Because even if you pick your poison, <laughs> two dudes are going to be open in that situation. Two guys in one-on-one. And if by chance the play breaks down, somebody whiffs on a block, my quarterback's going to make you miss and run for 15. Oh. Also, heaven forbid <laughs> that Winston Wright returns to form because you could just plug him in in the Dre Jacobs spot. Well, and that oh, is- by the way, if Portier continues his ascent yep. uh, as a physical Tough wide receiver who makes tough catches and is growing in confidence. Yeah. I was on a show today, interviewed about the get for Keon Coleman, but also the questions were pretty much, hey, how did this happen? What has Mike Norvell done? What, you know, like there's a magic formula. And I pretty much told the host, man, one thing he did really well is he never wavered. And I bring it up all the time in the face of overwhelming adversity and real negativity. You lose to Jacksonville State, some harsh things are going to be said about your acumen to coach the game. Understandably, when you make the kind of mistakes and you inherit the kind of bad hand that he did, and it all adds up to some embarrassing moments for a very proud program, you're going to hear things nationally that have an effect on your ability to bring in upgrades at each position. So now you're really beginning to develop a problem that you may not be able to overcome. How do you do it? Well, you don't panic, but most people do. When those kinds of odds are stacked against you and when you don't have things go your way even a little bit, you can panic. You can begin to pull the emergency chute a little early. You can decide to win almost taking shortcuts, maybe cheaply, if you will, if you can get away with it. But if you go away from what you stand for and what you believe to be right, and I'm not talking about morals and ethics. I'm talking about scheme and hard work. It's not, you know, I'm not talking about a magic potion here where you just change who you are as a human being. I'm saying if you just decide, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to forego what I want to build here for the easy road here and and do a couple of things. I'm just going to run Jordan Travis 27 times because you know what? In a lot of these games, it'll get us a win. It's not what he wanted to do. It's not the best way to develop the other players around him. It's not the scheme that he wants. It's nothing that he stands for. He'll do, he would, you know, you you might have to do it here and there, but he didn't do anything to the extreme like that at all. He's like, no, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. It's about hard work. Come back here tomorrow. We'll talk about it. We'll learn from the mistakes we just made. In the interim, I'm damn sure going to try to fill some holes through the portal, which is now you better be doing that. I mean, if you're in that position, that's not a shortcut anymore. That is the reality for any program that has major holes to fill. So you better do that. I think that was the catalyst for this whole thing because Ron Dugans was on the outs. We all remember that conversation. It happened 10 minutes ago. But what a 10 minutes it's been for Coach Ron Dugans. It was the pitch and the landing of four transfer receivers a couple of winters ago in Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, Deuce Span, and Winston Wright. No particular order, but mm-hmm. you get those four guys. 
and what is the pitch that you make in order to land their services? I'm not I'm not saying that they were preseason all Pac-12 or in the respective conferences. They weren't. They weren't. But still, if you're a receiver looking for a new home, what about Florida State was appealing at the moment that they committed? You didn't know what Jordan Travis was going to turn into. You certainly couldn't have guessed this. You couldn't have guessed it. That he could have been a good player, but nothing like this. You knew that there was opportunity to play. That's it. Other than that, you were. it was on faith. It was on Memphis film that you could be successful in Mike Norvell's offense. It wasn't Florida State film that you could be successful in the offense. And they all said yes. Mm-hmm. And from that point, the ball started rolling. Of course, Jordan's development helps expedite this whole thing and make it look a lot better. But from that point, you land Hakeem Williams. I mean, a top-level high school recruit that we hadn't had around here say yes to us in forever. But I think it, it goes back to that point where you got four transfers to say yes to you at that position. That's how you flip a reputation and become a destination for a position. And that's what we got here at receiver now. Look at what we've done in high school in the last two classes, what we're about to do. Yeah, and I, again, I think that was the direct result of honest conversations and honest dialogue when they got across from the head coach. That When I say he didn't waver from what it was he believed about how you build and how you develop a program, in those rooms and in those conversations, that's what was revealed. And the reason we know that is they told us. And I don't mean the head coach, he did, but the players. And I think in this case, you'd rather hear it from the players because the head coach is going to say whatever he's going to say a lot of times to the press because he's trying to get a message out there. But when you hear players say, oh, well, you know, when they reached out to me, they were on me early, but they challenged me. And they said I wasn't just going to come in and play without working really hard. They wanted me to become an even better player than I was when I arrived. They challenged aspects of my overall game that – hadn't been developed. They told me how much they were going to ride me and make me work and that it wasn't just, hey, we need a player at this position. We're going to plug you in, come play football for us. It was much more than that. And it's, you know, to me, when I heard Jermaine Johnson describe it, when I heard him say that Mike was very serious in the way that he spoke to him the first time they ever talked. Now, now picture this for a second. You have a program of underwhelming athletes. Florida State was not exactly – lighting the world on fire with top-notch Power 5 talent. Jermaine Johnson walks through the door. Now, this is before we ever saw Jermaine Johnson. This is, this is Mike and Jermaine have a meeting. And you're Mike Norvell, and Jermaine Johnson walks in, and he doesn't look anything like the players that are currently on your roster. Rather, he looks like a guy that would fit right in at Alabama, did fit in at Georgia, Right? Like, if you walk in those locker rooms, there's a bunch of guys that look like Jermaine Johnson. Freaks of nature. Massive. Quick. All the athleticism, the great feet, the length, all of it. You're like, look at this guy. Well, no wonder. I mean, we can't beat that. We don't have these guys. So you would want him. You would immediately be like, we, we got to get this guy. Whatever I need to say, I got to get this guy. Whatever we got to do, I got to get it. Because I got to get more guys that look like that. That wins games. Jimmys and Joes, not X's and O's. I got to get guys that look like that. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. And I know that because Jermaine Johnson told me that Mike did not do that. That's, uh, buddy, that's pretty amazing. I'd have paid him off with drugs, money, uh, cars, whatever he wanted. (laughs) It's a joke. Come on, everybody, kind of. I mean, it's, you know, I make the joke all the time, drugs, money, hoes. 
Uh, it's it's just you you would do whatever you had to do, but they didn't. Somehow that hasn't worked for Miami in the last twenty plus years. <laughs> it did for, to the tune of like five national titles. It did. It did back in the day. But then, no matter what they do, <laughs> not in, now, not now. This yeah, millennium, everybody offers it up now. In this millennium, <laughs> it doesn't matter. And even when they try, Nevin Shapiro ends up in the news for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, no, I just I, I think that is the answer. It's it's they just stayed tried and true and believed, and and it's the right way to do it. And I think, um, you know, now they continue to benefit Dave. Also, sometimes you need a little luck. You know, you bring it up a lot because I said a while back, going into the season last year, they need some things to break right for them. They need to have a couple things just go well that are kind of out of your control. Like, I don't know, a blocked extra point or something. You know, you need something good to happen to you, and you can create a buzz and a little bit of momentum. And there can be some positive sort of reverberations to that win nationally and then in the recruiting trail, people go, oh, damn, they beat LSU. This might be different. You create that buzz with these moments where you catch a break. And they caught some breaks. It, it, it all worked out. And now, and what I mean is, not only did those portal players come in and make a huge difference, but now it's kind of become, it's taken on a life of its own. This is a national story that Florida State owns the portal. And this is like, people... It, you, people who have, are not affiliated with Florida State who are tasked with writing articles about the big picture of college football, when referencing Florida State, it's one of the first things that comes up that Florida State has figured out the secret to the portal, that Florida State's messaging in the portal is better than everybody else's. There's a very big difference between the way Florida State has gone about this and then what Dion is, for example, having to do at Colorado. Dion at Colorado is like, we have no good players We'll take kids that have failed out of your school if they run even a little bit. We have no chance to compete with anybody at all. Can you jump more than six inches off the ground? Can you run a 5-8-40? Come on in. We'll take any of you. Any of you. We have to. We have no choice. That's a very different way of utilizing the portal. That is just come one, come all. These kids suck. I told them they sucked. I told all the kids here that they have to leave because they suck so bad. So if you're just reasonably better than this suck fest that I inherited, I'm taking you in. That's that approach. Fine. you got to do that if you're a Colorado set of circumstances. You've got to say those things. Florida State does not. It's a very different approach, and it's one that is proving to be very effective when it comes to getting elite players, elite players. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day. 
And I gave him a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Early day one, first round, PGA Championship. Any of you got our Fox? Anybody got our Fox? Did you grab our Fox for 6000 <laughs> Uh It's been an interesting day. I like, I like the way the course presents. It's beautiful. Doesn't it look like a place you want to play? It does. It, oh, it, man. It looks like it combines the best elements of the U.S. Open with the Masters. Got to be below the hole everywhere. Below the hole. Below the hole, baby. The greens are not browned out, mm -mm. yet they're fast. They're fair. Yeah. And then the rough is brutal. Hit the damn fairway. Rough is brutal. No doubt. Uh, as for notables, well, there'll be plenty of them. This is going to, I think, produce an interesting and fun leaderboard, no doubt. Uh, if you're wondering about uh, Brooks Kepka, he's at even par, which today would be fine. Anybody gets into the house at even, you're going to feel good about it. Corey Connors at two under. Victor Hovland at two under. Scotty Scheffler sits at one under, one off the pace. Justin Thomas also one under. And then we get a whole host of people in there at even. Or, it's been interesting to watch. You know, At one point, Colin Morikawa was two under. Four holes later, he was... Even, um, it seems like nobody can sustain it. Even guys that got off to great starts and were tearing up the course with birdie, birdie, birdie starts have fallen to even plus one. It doesn't seem very sustainable. Uh, what is sustainable is the slump that Rory McIlroy continues to be in as he sucks again today at plus three currently. I watched some featured groups earlier, and Scotty Scheffler had a 45-yard pitch from the drivable par four. Mm -hmm. It's in the rough, but you see everything in front of you. There's no tricks to it. He took longer to actually decide to hit the shot <laughs> than Jim Phillips took explaining about <laughs> the gated communities. It went, 
I, I think it went north of three minutes. He walked to the green three different times. Yeah, yeah it's got to tell you how hard it is, right? Guys. Yeah. No, well, I mean, come on. It's a 45-yard pitch. He's got all the green in the world to work with. We got to do better. Gary Woodland yelled at him. Well, but Gary has been nothing but a suck fest today and has been awful from Jump Street, so he should maybe slow down. Well. Because he can't hit a shot. Perhaps Scotty got in his head. I don't think so. I think Gary is a mess. Plus five through ten. Get out of here, Gary. Get a damn shot. Looking like a buffoon out here. We'll see. Maybe the afternoon group will have it better. Maybe they'll be like, this was the time to shine, baby. We like this afternoon. You know, most of the time I see anybody gets tea, you know, is teeing off at 4. I'm like, they got to be like, really? 4.15 to start my day? But maybe they're all sitting there right now like, yes, yes. I want no part of this 37 degrees when we teed off and slightly windy and in, in, you know, obviously damp conditions. That that might be a bit much. Uh, fell. He's tired of hearing me talk about golf. Come on, Cameron. Let's go. I'm making a special appearance on a Thursday. Get on the show already. Ira, how are you, brother? You can read my mind, Jeff. That's impressive. <laughs> oh, buddy. All right. So was that fun? Did you have a fun time over there, or were people on pins and needles? Uh, it was fine, man. It's just, you know, you could definitely tell there's some tension in the air. And, um, you know, it's funny. I was just telling somebody that, like, because of, you know, we, we all cover our own schools. So, mm-hmm. like, you kind of get a, you know, you're, you're seen as aligned with your school. So, I definitely felt like a little different vibe when people with the ACC office were talking to me this week compared to normal times. But, uh, you know, and it's like, hey, man, I don't have anything to do with this. <laughs> like, they're mad at you? <laughs> well, no, you just can tell. It's, it's, there's a, they're not thrilled about what's been coming out of Tallahassee lately. So, you know, it. It's fine. But I, no, it, was, it was a good event, and, like, you know, it was good to uh, get a feel also from talking to the other media, see what they're hearing from the, the schools they talk to, and, you know, try to c- kind of cross notes, and um, it was a good week. Well, it was, and I'm glad you were there, and I appreciate that you were there because we learned some things. Um, you did note that, though, not a lot has changed. All of the concerns going in remain the concerns now, and whatever rhetoric or comments that followed – really don't make much of a difference. When you say that you talk to others and compared notes, okay, for the schools that aren't being mentioned as uh, those that are quite concerned with the financial future of their programs and this league, what do they say? What do they say about what they're hearing? You know, I think that, that there's a feeling there that, you know, uh, again, I think that they point, they look at Florida State and say, well, hey, listen, maybe our deal would be better if Florida State had been better for some of these years, which mm-hmm. is always funny to me, which is always funny to me because it's like all the pressure is on FSU to bring home the bacon, you know, and it's like, well, what have you guys been doing? And, and then, you know, and a lot of times we, we understand, you know, we, under, we understand the side of the schools we're, we're covering. We talk, talk to them more uh, frequently. So, you know, they'll, they'll parrot some of the things that those schools say. And, and my point, and I, you know, cause I'm, I see it from Florida state's perspective is, Look, Florida State deserves more of the TV revenue because that's who people want to watch. And they look at it from the perspective of the, their schools that, you know, hey, Wake Forest went 10 and 2, so maybe they should get a bigger cut of the pie. Uh, so, you know, it's again, we just kind of, we all hear what the people we're talking to. And then you have to use your own logic. And I think uh, I, my logic more aligns with, I think, where Florida State's coming from. So, 
let's for those that haven't read the article, A, I would tell folks to read the article. Uh, it's on warchant.com, and I thought it was a good one. If you guys are looking for it, Florida State is ready to lead the charge, but who will go along and to what lengths is the title you'll see there from Ira. You know, one of the things that you brought up in this right off the bat I thought was very interesting, and I want to get, well, I want to get to the part where you say that they may be willing to go it alone, which is kind of eye-opening and eyebrow-raising. But but go back a little bit. What what shifted in your mind from sort of the emphatic pre-spring meeting conversation that the one-on-one produced that you had uh, with Michael Alford, and obviously it was more of what we heard in the initial uh, well-documented YouTube clip, and then what was further uh, expand, expounded upon by Michael Alford, any chance he got about Florida State's brand and why they deserve more and the current situation's untenable and it's never going to work like this and they can't afford to fall behind. What changed after the quote-unquote magnificent seven schools were identified and he comes back out yesterday and gives the or day before and says that, well, you know, listen, it might have been overblown. Uh, it, I, really, Jim Phillips is doing a fantastic job. Uh, we all want to stay here. I mean, that's nonsense. No, they, no, you don't want to stay here. Is that just diplomacy? I think it was a combination of things. You know, I, I think it was a combination of when they got there on Monday, they had that two-hour athletic director meeting that we wrote about, and uh, I think there were some hostilities behind closed doors. And at the end of the day, I think Jim Phillips was probably trying to get the message across that, hey, listen, you guys don't need to do this publicly. You know, if you guys have concerns or if you want to, um, you know, come look at the grant of rights and do all these things, that's fine. But you're, you're, you're damaging the brand of the conference and that is not cool. And so I think there was some, some, you know, pressure probably put on the ADs to come back and, and, and say things a little bit differently. But I, I think maybe Alford probably went a little overboard on that. But I also think, you know, he knows that the reality is Jim Phillips is doing what, as best he can do. And so they're trying to encourage and, and, and kind of encourage a spirit of uh, a partnership in the sense that, you know, they've, they've made some headway with this uh, revenue sharing when it comes to un, even revenue sharing, when it comes to on the field stuff, the college football playoff or the basketball tournament, that's a fraction of what they need to do, which is with the television contract. But I think you could feel like, okay, they're, they're making a baby step in this process. So let's encourage them and maybe praise them for it, and, and let's see where it's going. Because at the end of the day, nothing he said in that room is going to change what happens behind the scenes. And so I think uh, I didn't love the comments. I thought you did a good job of, of explaining kind of your concerns about them. Uh, I don't think he did it perfectly, but I also don't know that it really matters. Because at the end of the day, what happens in the negotiations is more important than what any of them say to the media. Yeah, in essence – this is a dead man walking league. It, it, we're getting back to where we were. There's nothing they can do. And this feels, it, 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 it seems like Jim Phillips almost said as much. It was another one of those desperate, hey, come on down. Let's have a lunch. Bring your lawyers. It's all good. We're going to hang out. Hey, we fed them. Yeah. We no problem with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it, that whole thing is, is comical because, look, man, they're not just taking a little trip over to Greensboro to look at those documents. They're sending attorneys who charge billable hours, and it ain't cheap to send attorneys across the country to go look at documents. I mean, so yeah, that's not a that's not a you know just a oh happenstance. And then the other comment he made, which and again I'm not ripping Jim Phillips because he didn't create this situation. 
He didn't do the expansions they did earlier where they added Syracuse to some of these schools. He didn't sign a 20-year grant of rights, so it's not his fault. But the, some of the things he said were just comical. The other thing was where he said, you know, every conference is, is every conference, every school is looking at, well, you know what? You know who's not? The SEC schools and the Big Ten schools. Correct. They're not, they're not doing any due diligence right now. <laughs> they're just collecting their checks. So, yeah. They're not flying lawyers in for long lunches <laughs> <laughs> to hang out and sing Kumbaya and tell everybody how much they love one another. Exactly. I'm going to read from your article. It's why a school like Florida State will force this issue and try to create as much leverage as possible. Why the Knowles know they have no choice but to push and fight for every dollar they can. Why I believe and am completely confident in this, that Florida State would even go it alone if it had to. That if nothing changed with the ACC and other schools backed out, the Seminoles could write a check for a $120 million exit fee and wage the legal battle over the grant of rights and see what they could get on the open market. That's weighty, Ira. <laughs> uh, you could say I buried the lead. I should have had that in the first two, three paragraphs. It was the uh, paragraph that made me stand up and say, hot damn. Well, all right, here's the situation. They know two things, okay? Number one, Florida State and Clemson need these other schools to realize how serious they are. And so I think you could make a case that what they're doing right now and some of these kind of um, expressing, expressing their concerns and, and letting everybody know how far they would go, I think you could say, okay, they're making the ACC schools and ESPN understand you've got to come to the table. Because right now they're not. When, when, when Michael Offer pushes for them to do uneven revenue sharing with a TV contract, it goes nowhere. Those other schools are not going to negotiate on that. So here's, a, you know, I, again, people I'm talking to are telling me, look, we will go to whatever lengths we have to. And here's the thing, like staying put is not an option. So is, does Florida state want to spend $120 million to get out of this contract and deal with whatever the legal repercussions are? No, but they can't sit here and just wallow in this till 2036. So, so again, will Florida state actually do that if they had to, I'm sure they don't want to, would they actually do it? That's that's got they got to make that financial decision. What I don't know, and none of us know, and, and you talked about like the tenor of the meetings and all that. None of us know exactly how, you know, you know how strong the grant of rights really is, and that's what they're sending those attorneys there to do by looking at that and the media contract. And so, I just find it interesting. This is the thing I, I brought up before, but what I find interesting about all this is, for years and years, I mean, literally years. We have been told the grant of rights is ironclad. There's nothing you can do about it. If you listen to people now who are reporting and covering ESPN side or the ACC side or some of those other school side, that's not what they say anymore. What they say now is, hey, it would be really expensive and it would be a really drawn out legal process. Well, those are two totally different things. And so if it's ironclad, it's ironclad. If it's not, then it's not. And now it becomes a financial decision. But again, I think from people I talked to at Florida State, the idea of sitting in this conference till 2036 or anywhere close to that, making 30 or $40 million less than those other schools they have to compete with, it's just not happening. So I don't know how successful they'll be, but I know that they're not content to just ride it out and hope things get better. What would a time frame look like in your estimation based on what you've learned 
and talking to your sources regarding Florida State deciding that's it, that's all. We've exhausted everything we could. This isn't going to work. Now's the time to pull the trigger and take the chance and ride. I think they love to get, again, all eight schools, at least eight schools on board and dissolve it. And I think that however long that takes, but if if that's not going to happen, uh, man, it's going to be sooner than later. I just don't think that they're going to, um, this is going to be, you know, we've talked in the past about, oh, maybe you wait three years, maybe you wait five years, maybe, and get those numbers down to whatever. The, I don't think that's the case, man. I mean, I, I don't, and I don't know details of how they can do it or when they can do it. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be long. Uh, and again, I don't know if that's months, weeks, days. I don't know. I just know it's not going to be long. They're not going to just sit and wait and hope for things to get better. Can eight teams dissolve the league? My understanding is, yeah, man. That's uh, And again, I don't know the mechanics of it, but my understanding is eight schools could make the decision to, to basically put everything into, a, into a effect. So I believe it is. Again, I don't. I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding is if they get eight schools on board and all eight schools are ready to to ride, not just say, "Hey, we're yeah, we're with you," but actually ready to ride. Yeah, it that's what they need. So what's happening now? Then, if that is the case, one would think is folks are scrambling to find a place to land because not everybody can go to the SEC or the Big Ten. In fact, if we get up to nine, ten teams, you would end up saying probably the majority of the teams that are willing to leave at that point and put their name to it and actually decide to walk are not going to the Big Ten or the SEC. They're trying to find a place that's better than the ACC, which right about now is everywhere. But <laughs> but, but that said, right, you would need – and then the politics get involved because we remember the last expansion. Remember all this, how this went down before? Hey, Virginia Tech has to have a place right. to go, and Virginia's going to protect them. And in the state of North Carolina, you may not th- think much of NC State, but they're in tandem with North Carolina, and they won't leave without each other. And we remember we did this before. So the, the, the machinations, the politics, all of that is what's happening right now behind the scenes so that people have a landing spot, right? Yeah, potentially. But also, you know, again, I don't think they've taken the idea off the table that maybe – eight teams go or nine teams go and they pick up two or three other teams, they start their own conference and, or, or merge with another conference. I don't, you know, again, there's nothing. My perception is nothing's off the table. The only thing that's off the table is sitting in this league. till 2036 making way less money than everybody else. And when you talk about politics, man, there's other, there's politics in Florida. You know, there are, there, mm-hmm. there are, there are people in the, in the, you know, with power in the state of Florida who don't want to see Florida State become uh, an afterthought in college athletics. So, uh, you know, I think there are people that would help Florida State if it came to it. So, um, yeah, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of things at play here. Uh, again, I just say if I had to put my money on Vegas, on um, what's the, the most likely scenario or the least likely scenario, to me the least likely scenario is Florida State sitting in the ACC and rubbing pennies together while Florida's sitting over there with $400 million in the bank because of their contract with the SEC. Florida State would announce they can't make the game Saturday. They have to give plasma. <laughs> we just, we're just not going to be able to do it, guys. <laughs> we're a week from all the plasma we've had to give. Thank you, brother. This is fun. I know it's not going to go anywhere, and so we'll continue to rely on your expertise and your insight and your sources and your skills as a writer, brother. Appreciate it very much. Thanks. I'll see you. Yep, be good. Yeah, man.
untenable. And don't get all lovey-dovey either. Just be what it is. Screw it. This ain't going to work. And we want to stay. We love it here. Can't wait to stay. What? What'd you say? Nothing. Lost my mind for a second. Um, I, I, where do we, let's react to that. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That was fun. That was a fun conversation. Um, yeah, I, I just, this is, we're all just going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop. I just, every day now. And it reminds me a little bit of what we went through with the first big time shift in college athletics, musical chairs, and every day we came to work back then, Tom, at ESPN going, man. Can you believe this? What's going to happen next? And at that time, Florida State was rumored to maybe join the Big 12, if you recall, and we were talking about what that might look like, and the dust settled, and everything seemed to 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 move from there. And then you thought, right when you kind of stopped thinking about it, you got wind that Texas and Oklahoma had been poached by the SEC, and you thought, well, all right, well, th- this, is, this is never going to end. This is now an, the ultimate battle to see who has – biggest, baddest, best TV presence for college football. And it became pretty quickly a battle between the Big Ten and the SEC. That was one of the things in the discussion 10, 11 years ago. People thought it was folly that you could have a conference with a footprint that expands multiple time zones. That has proven to be the future. It's Mm -hmm. not folly, it's the future. And the Big Ten has just adopted it in the most aggressive way in, in college football history. And I think the Big Ten wants a piece of the East Coast as well. I think they want to be coast-to-coast if they can handle it. Hovering that over ESPN would be a good thing if we broke away from this thing and paid the 120 and said, we're going to go to court. The thing that I'm very fired up about in that interview is that the number is eight. If the number is indeed eight, to rewrite the books on the conference itself and essentially set yourself on your own path, we can find homes for eight teams. Come on now. We can all work together. Well, the whole key would be Notre Dame. If they're in, if, they're, if Notre Dame decides, yeah, yeah, we're part of it too. Absolutely. Then, yeah. Then you're at nine, and then Pitt would say, well, what the hell, guys? I want to come, too. I'm not staying here with Syracuse and Boston College. I will vote with you in order to be proactive about my future. That's nice, Pitt. That's lovely. We'll get back to you. Well, the Big 12 would be the future. (laughs) The Big 12 would want Pitt. 100% they would. I'm saying at some point when everybody decides to jump on board, realizing they're on a sinking shift and we're the life raft, we're going to have to make some calls. Maybe give them the wrong link to the Zoom meeting. I want to run up run up the votes. I want that well, I know vote. You can have everybody in the AC. Yeah, we're all in. Great, Boston College. Good. Glad you're in. Here, Tuesday at 3, click on this link. We'll be there. <laughs> we'll have a conversation about it. What is this? This is porn. What is this? What is this? Why did... Who clicked this link? This is you know, the link they gave us. You know, in my head, this is the difference between you and me. In my head, I thought, wouldn't it be funny to say a site name that we all know that's wrong? But the site name itself is benign. Mm-hmm. 
And then you just went ahead and said, <laughs> said what I was thinking. That, that's yeah. the difference. That's yeah. the difference. <laughs> uh, yeah, just they, they click and you're like, oh, no. No we've, links in the chat. No links in the chat. We've been duped. The Florida State guy swore this was the right one. And then all of a sudden, another picture pops into that link, and it's freaking Syracuse. Oh, it's just BC here. This isn't. What are we doing? If I leave the meeting early, yeah. really, like quickly, they might not notice I was here in the first place. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with.